This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I'm your host, Tyler Hurley, here with Robbie Lashua. Hey, guys. Welcome back to another episode of CCNC. Yes. Remember that band CNC Music Factory? <laughs> no, I Everybody don't. Dance Now. Do you know that song? Oh, yeah. I know that yeah. song. Yeah. Okay, I know the song. They were like an old, the... like like early 90s, like, I don't know, R&B. They just remind me of like Night at the Roxbury <laughs> and like Jock Jams and like Space Jams. I never correlated sound. that with a yeah. name because I didn't know that band, but that's, I mean, I know that song. Well, that's not so who we're named after we're just yes, cnc right. we're not cnc music Factory. correct but anyway but we do like to dance and we like when everybody dances that's true now. yeah yeah everybody dance now anyway like, that's a tangent yes, sorry exactly but here we go we are back today and we're going to be talking about making disciples and not making excuses yes yes and you'll see what we mean by that as we dive into the topic today however before we get into that uh, robbie does have a coffee tip because it, just like we were talking about the name it's ccnc one of those c's is coffee yep uh we care a lot about coffee on the show we talk about it every episode and we drink it almost, and we drink almost it. every episode that is true. Yeah. Yep. And That's so right. go for it, Robbie. What is the coffee tip for today? Well, I thought with the Olympics being uh, current, going on right now, right? Mm-hmm. The Olympic Games over in Tokyo, that I would give you an Olympic coffee tip. I All like right? that. You ready for this? Yeah, let's see it. Okay, so I wanted to know what the allowable amount of caffeine in an Olympic athlete was, or even if that was a rule. Okay. If people could get all jacked up on caffeine before they did weightlifting or whatever, yeah, or if right? If they considered a drug or something. Yeah, because yeah. you would think certain certain sports it would be a benefit for, like rowing, yeah. and certain sports it wouldn't be a benefit for, like uh, gymnastics, because yeah, you're not right. as precise, right? So I thought, okay, let's check this out. So there is actually a rule on the allowable amount of caffeine that can be in an Olympic athlete's bloodstream. Okay. All right. So the allowable amount of caffeine that can be in an Olympic athlete's bloodstream is 12 micrograms. If they go over 12 micrograms at any time during competition, they're banned from competing. Okay. 12 micrograms, um, just for those of you out there, it would take about five cups of coffee to exceed that. So it's kind of nice to know. They can have coffee in the morning, afternoon, night, you know, three, four cups a day. But if they go over about five in a short period of time, their bloodstream will have too much caffeine in it and they can't compete. Well, even if you're being reasonable, you could have still like two to three cups and you'll be way below that line. And that's already a lot. I mean, most athletes too, a part of their like dietary training, you drink a ton of water throughout the day. That's right. So yeah, I mean, that's pretty reasonable, I'd say. Yeah, I don't think it's crazy. If you have more caffeine than that in your system. It's probably just unhealthy as any human being. Yeah, that or you're actually trying to cheat or something like that. So I think that's pretty fair. The way I've figured I could apply this to my life is when I'm on my fourth cup of coffee for the day, (laughs) I can tell people I'm training like an Olympic athlete. Mm. (laughs) Because I, hey, I'm stopping at four. That's all right. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. There we go. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's the coffee tip for today. So if you know any uh, Olympic athletes, please let them know not to drink more than five cups of coffee in a short period of time. Um, moving on to the, uh, meat of the program for today. So, um, we wanted to talk about discipleship and evangelism and what mm-hmm. Jesus has told us as Christians to do because apologetics is part of this. Um, but there's a lot of people out there, Tyler, who will, um, how do I say this? I feel like there's a lot of people who like apologetics yeah. who become a person that metaphorically continues to sharpen their sword and never intends to use it. 
Yeah. It's like, I yeah. want to read all the books. I want to get everything that comes out from Jay Warner Wallace or Cross-Examined or STR or Christ Culture and Coffee. And I want to read it. I want to listen to it. I want to consume it. I want to know all these things about Christianity and why it's true. And that's good. But they never use it to tell other people who Jesus is or use yeah. it to help disciple other Christians. Yeah, oftentimes you'll see that happens. What they do with it is they use it as a defensive mechanism, which that's in a way what it's supposed to be sure. for. But you need to be assertive with it. You need to go out and find people who need their sword sharpened, as you're saying metaphorically. Yep. And you also need to just tell... just Discipleship is a part of what we are called to do as Christians. And it's yes. a part of what... You should do as the individual studying and learning all these things. You need to share this with other people and not just yeah. keep it to yourself. Well, and the truth of it is, man, is when you're sharing the things you learn with another person, which is discipleship, right? Mm-hmm. When you're discipling, like let's say somebody listened to our episodes on the Trinity and then there's somebody in their life they know, maybe it's a teenager at church, maybe it's a friend, family member, whatever. And they're like, I want to teach you about the Trinity. They should use our stuff on the Trinity and walk through it with somebody or say, hey, listen to this and let's talk about it. Because when you share it with others or you teach it to others, you actually get it more solidified in your mind. And you it's tend healthy to find, for you. Yeah, and you tend to find that that's super rewarding. Just it to is. be able to help each other, uh, to help another person and bring them up in that way. Yep. You can almost relive the experience that you had too when you were learning that. And you see the fruits that come out of it by building others up in the in. Christ. And yeah. it's just, it, it's something that we should be doing. And that is the goal of the podcast today. We want to go over different ideas of discipleship yes. and why it's important that we should be doing it. Yeah. Because it's so easy just to consume information, mm-hmm. right? No matter what it is. Of course. And apologetics true. isn't different. You can consume it just to be satisfied in knowing what you believe, which yeah. is good, but it does need to translate into telling others who believe in Jesus and those who don't believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So yeah. What is discipleship? Well, basically, we know Jesus left us marching orders, right? At the very end of Matthew, this is Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So today, what we wanted to do is we wanted to look at three different situations that Paul and Silas were in, in Acts chapter 16, and really think about how they were on mission to disciple people, and they didn't let their circumstances dictate whether they obeyed Jesus or not. Yes. Because so often people will make excuses. Well, I don't know enough apologetics to teach yeah. somebody. Yeah, you know more than somebody else. That's right? absolutely true. I don't know yeah. how to live for the Lord as much as... Yes, you You know more than a four-year-old. Yeah, of course. You know more than somebody. So why don't you use what you know to invest in somebody else and <laughs> stop making excuses? Yeah, and when we get into this, uh, the goal out of this is we, we hope that by comparing these situations uh, that the disciples went through, uh, that you can see your situation from a different perspective on why you should be discipling others. So let's dig into that. All Um, right. Yeah, so I'm going to read Acts 16, 13 through 15, okay? And this is... Let me set the stage here for a second. Yeah, do it. Absolutely. This is when when Paul and Silas actually first go to Europe. Mm -hmm. This is the first time they go to Europe. They want to go to Asia, but then the Holy Spirit said, no, don't go to Asia, and they go to Europe, right? The dream of the Macedonian man saying, Mm. come over here. So this is, they go to Philippi. And this is the first missionary efforts of Christianity in Europe, which yeah. is kind of cool. 
Yeah, that is absolutely true. So I'm going to start in verse 13, Acts chapter 16. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. A woman named Lydia from the city of Theatra, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart and responded to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. She prevailed upon us. So, okay. yeah, right away. Interesting situation. Yeah, it's, this is an ideal situation, okay? It's pretty it, sweet, right? But of course why, it yeah. is. Okay, so why is this an ideal? Like, if you were a missionary or if you're just living your daily life, this is the type of, like... Yeah, perfect scenario. Yeah, well, right? well, exactly it is. And the reason why we're going to break this down for you, uh, because you see their goal, Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke, they go out to find people they can share the gospel with and help disciple, right? Yep. That's the goal. Yep. It's it's established. But then uh, typically they went to the synagogue, but Philippi, would pro- they probably didn't have one, in which case Jews would typically meet as at a designated place of prayer, yep. which is what they said here in verse 13. It was yes. mentioned there. They said we were supposing there'd be a place of prayer. So we sat down, began speaking to women who had, who had assembled. Yep. So uh, the, the crazy thing is about like why this is an ideal situation. There's several things about it. Uh, one, the location was beautiful. They did it right by a river. Yeah. So, so it's in a nice city. In right? a nice city, yeah, it was very nice. The, so funny, you often think about missions as like going to like the worst dumpster fires on oh, earth, do. right? Yeah. And and, and, and yeah. we should go there, of course, yeah. But this is not like that. Oh yeah, and yeah. I, I've had mission trips that I've done too, where it's like different ends of that spectrum. You have different experiences, and they don't all—they're not always the most comforting. But it, there's variety, and it happens. So yeah, so yeah, like you said, it's beautiful the place they went to. Uh, another aspect is that the audience was friendly. They were receiving them yeah, kindly, yeah, that's and they were—they were taking them in. Yeah, like it was—they weren't aggressive or hostile towards them. Yeah, they didn't try to stone them like yeah, in some places yeah, exactly. And stuff. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so it was a friendly <laughs> audience. Um, and they were praying to the true God. That's another aspect. Um, another thing why this is ideal is that the results were favorable, right? Uh, Lydia, who was mentioned in the passage, she was an influential woman mm-hmm. who was wealthy. Like uh, anyone, and the reason we know too she's wealthy, like not only did she welcome all of them, she had a house big enough to host them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, she also uh, was a maker of purple fabrics, which that was a very valuable business back then, and mm-hmm. it was not easy to come by. Like during the Roman period, laws restricted those who could wear clothes that were dyed purple because it was the most precious of all colors. Uh, so Lydia undoubtedly dealt with an exclusive and affluential clientele. So like meaning yeah. she was rich. <laughs> she's that basically like a said. fashionista, right? Of I mean she's like a mogul. She's like she's like I'm trying to think of somebody that she'd be like today. Like a like a Kylie Jenner with her uh yeah, makeup you know what? or yeah, like a, I mean a, it's that type of it, thing. It is, she's it super is. wealthy. Yeah. Yeah and that that was the thing. And so that you can start to see this is an ideal situation, right? Yeah so so think about it. Yeah. A beautiful place like you said. Mm-hmm. Not hostile, 
Right. Receptive. Yeah. And rich. worship the true God is what he <laughs> yeah, said. Yeah. It's too. like, so it's like, yeah. It'd be like just... going to Beverly Hills and sharing the gospel and everyone's like, oh yeah, we're in. That sounds great. Yeah, exactly, I mean, it'd be like right? crazy. And then yeah. not only are we in, but let's, you know, let's like stroll the beaches. And I want to use my wealth to benefit yeah, let's, you. Let's give yeah. you some nice clothes. Let's get, feed you. Yep. How's you in like a five star? We're going to go to Rodeo yeah. Drive. You can yeah, have whatever you want. Go. Yeah, exactly. Right. Absolutely. And so you can see this scenario, this is, this is a scenario that they dealt with, right? Yep. They had it really well at this place. They did. Now tell us a little bit, cause this is interesting. So, mm-hmm. so Lydia isn't from Philippi. That's right. But she's from Thyatira. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. Cause that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So Thyatira was famous for its purple fabrics and clothes, but her hometown was also important for another reason. Uh, the, the reason it was is because it was in the province of Asia. Okay. Okay. Um, remember what at 166 says, it says they pass through the, sorry, sorry if I butcher this part, Phrygian, Phrygian, thank yep. you. And Galatian region having been forbidden by the Holy spirit to speak the word in Asia. Okay. Okay. So not only had they found a God fearing, rich, influential woman, but this woman was also from a province that they had wanted to visit to share the gospel, but they were mm. directed by the Holy spirit not to enter. Interesting. Right? So it is interesting. So God had a plan because the way that this is all working out is not only is this woman like everything we already said she was, she has connections to where she could get them influence to sharing the gospel in Asia. That's awesome. Where they were said not to go. And it's because they were being led not to go there yet because there was a better opportunity waiting for them. That would likely be safer, too, because they yeah. were allowed and they had a way in. So it's in, it's crazy knowing Lydia could be powerful influence for the gospel in Asia, and Paul and his friends were directed by vision to Macedonia where they met Lydia. Very cool scenario. That is cool. Yeah, God had a plan with that for sure, of right? Of course. <laughs> uh, the other thing I think is always interesting about this story is how accepting Lydia is towards the gospel right mm-hmm. away. She was, she was a ripe fruit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She was again going back to the ideal situation. Of, of She's course, just yeah. ready. She just needed to hear the gospel, and she knew it was the truth it, well, there are because she was already that are like that. Yeah. Yeah. She was already worshiping the true God. You know. So, um, I love it because sometimes we see Paul like he's arguing with people for days. He's reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath, you know, or every week or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's not what happened here. He goes and he shares it. It's quick. It's easy. She's she's in. Right? Yeah. Of course. And then, in addition to believing it. Her whole household, which probably includes servants and some of her family, they believed and were baptized as well. So now this mm-hmm. is having influence. I mean, this this is like great. You go to a new continent for the first time, you share the gospel for the first time, and it's having fruit right away. This had to be a huge encouragement to them. Mm, um, yes. Then the other side of it, which again makes this ideal, is that she expresses gratitude to them, right? Yeah, of course. <clears throat> as if this scenario couldn't Thanks get any better. You have Lydia, the rich fashionista of Thyatira, out of gratitude for sharing the truth, offering her house for them as a place to stay. Mm. Now, this is fascinating. Since she's from Thyatira, we can deduce that her home in Philippi is like her summer home or winter home. It's vacation home, Mm. right? Yeah. So think about this. Her vacation home is big enough to house a whole ton of people. So it's not like this woman was rich, right? This is great. They get to go to some nice 
nice uh, home in actually Philippi was like a retirement community of Rome. Like this is a really great city to be in. Um, and Paul and his friends, I think it's interesting, they probably turned her down because Luke specifically says, and she prevailed on us. Yeah, like she wouldn't yeah. take no for an answer. You know what I mean? She's like, no, you are coming and you're staying at my house and you will accept my hospitality and I'm yeah, going right. to give you all this stuff and I'm going to give you all this. I mean, yeah. this, how you can't get better than this situation, Tyler. That's right. Right. This is ideal. It's like, oh, darn ministry is so tough. Oh, you know? so yeah. hard. Yeah. The Lydia <laughs> Thyretire. I mean, this is what you wish uh, ministry would be every day. Of course. This is what you wish it'd be like when you share the gospel. This is how easy you wish it would be to disciple people. Um, but it's, it's not right. Mm -hmm. beautiful location, friendly people, accepting truth, who had influence, who had money, and then they offered for you to crash in their mansion. I would yeah. sign up for that every day of the week. Of course, That yeah. would be awesome. Um, <clears throat> I've had some situations like this where it was just like perfect ministry. Uh, when I was in high school, I went on a mission trip to Antigua. It's in the Caribbean. Mm. And um, we were doing like a camp and there was this kid, he was like nine years old. His name was Kevin. He's probably, he's really old now actually. Yeah. Cause this was like in 2000. So he's got to be like 30. That's Jeez, crazy. that's wow. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So <laughs> wow, look at that. this kid was there and I remember uh, he was talking to me and the missionary who lived there one night, super late into the night. And he was just asking us about all these Bible questions and he knew his Bible. Like he knew the whole Old Testament and how the story flowed, but he just couldn't believe in Jesus as a mm. savior. Cause he said, there's crazy things like miracles. I don't know if they happen. The virgin birth, that's not how babies are born. Like he just, he had all these hangups. Right. Yeah. And we talked to him, I think until like close to midnight. And then the missionary was like, hey, you need to get to bed, Kevin. And Robbie and I need to get some sleep. <laughs> so let's go back to our cabins, you know, go to sleep. We'll, we'll continue talking in the morning. So the next day, I can't remember where I was, but maybe at breakfast or something. But the missionary comes and he comes and gets me. He's like, Robbie, I want you to come with me to go talk with Kevin. Because um, that night after Kevin went to bed, we prayed that God would get a hold of him. And that he would do something to convince him that that believing in Jesus is necessary. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, the next morning the missionary comes and gets me, he takes me into Kevin's cabin and he says, tell Robbie what you just told me. And this little nine year old kid says, last night I went to bed after we talked and I had a dream and Jesus came to me in my dream and I saw him on the cross and his blood washed over me and it washed all of my sin away. And he explained everything to me and I want to believe in him now. That's wild. Dude, that's like <laughs> ideal, right? I mean, now think about this. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm in the Caribbean on a beautiful island in a friendly environment where Jesus literally does all the work in a dream. And I just get to be there to share the gospel with this kid. And he prays to believe in Jesus right there. Yeah. Awesome, right? And some of those, those stories are so great. However... That's not how it always goes, right? Of course, and that's, yes. And that's the problem, right? That is the problem, these are yeah. These are what we want, but we all know life doesn't always work out like that. Of course, that. And, and that's what we're going to break down next, right? That's another aspect of ministry yep. is that the situation does not always go that way. No, typically um, doesn't. It, yeah, more commonly yeah. it doesn't. Uh, unfortunately, I wish it was uh, the first story we talked about all the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm going to continue on uh, in Acts 16. I'm going to read 16 through 21. We're going to talk about the antagonistic situation, okay. okay? This is very different. So so think about, okay, just to set the scene, set the they scene had again, this yeah. really great situation with Lydia. Right. Stay in her house from the mansion. Great. Okay, next story that happens to them. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Here we go. So starting in verse 16, it says, 
It happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us, who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God, who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Hmm. She continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them out, sorry, brought them to the chief magisteries, they said, these men are throwing our city into confusion, hmm. being Jews, and are proclaiming customs, which it is not lawful for us to accept or observe being Romans. So look at that. Okay. This is not an ideal situation. No, it's not. <laughs> so now they're getting in trouble with local authorities yep. over getting rid of a demon that was... It's kind of a good thing, right? It is it's a good thing. It's kind of a nice thing they to do. They did what they should have done. Um, yeah. But uh, this is interesting. because So obviously this opportunity was not sought out, right? Yeah, they went to the river to find people to tell them about the of gospel. Of course, yeah. They were just trying to continue And then the this demon-possessed girl just kind of happens upon them while yeah, they're out and about. Yeah, of course. So, so notice that Paul and his friends were going back to the river, back to the ideal situation when this encounter occurs. Yeah, that I think is that's something an interesting that's, point, yeah, because yeah, it does say that they were going back to the place of prayer. They wanted to do mm -hmm. that again. They were like, hey, that this was worked awesome. out great. Let's yeah. keep it going. Let's go back to the place of prayer and then disruption. And well, clearly there's a need. There is, obviously, sure. if people are coming to know the Lord and it's happening rapidly, that's great. Yep. So, of course, they'll go back there. But I think it's interesting. All of us want to go back to the ideal oh, situation. Of course, you know? of course. And who doesn't, really? Yep. So that's the interesting thing. So now we see, what do we, see? I want to talk about some things we see in this story, okay? okay? The interesting thing that I noticed right away, the audience this time was not accepting. They mm. were disruptive, okay? Yeah. That's important. The audience was disruptive. Uh, the demon-possessed girl is literally described as having the spirit of the python, Okay, mm -hmm. uh, the python was a famous symbol of the Oracle of Delphi, and according to Greek mythology, the python was killed by Apollo and thus became a symbol for him. Apollo was believed to be able to predict the future, and thus anyone with the python spirit was able to tell the future as well. So this python-possessed girl had been heralding Paul and his friends for many days, right? And that's why they were talking about it. She's going out, she's trying to predict the future, and yeah. people are making money off of her. That's yes. what they're doing. They're taking advantage of this demon-possessed girl. Can you imagine? Like, that's horrible, right? It is horrible. But yeah, that's what yeah, was happening. Yeah, she's literally enslaved. She's a slave. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. And they came and they set her free through the power of the Lord. Um, and so what she was saying about Paul and, si uh, Paul and his friends was not good. Yeah, and that's something we can overlook. Yeah. Like, sometimes you read through it and you're like, this sounds awesome. They're of the Most High God. They're mm -hmm. proclaiming the way of salvation. But what, what, why is this not so good? What, why did Paul get annoyed with this? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Uh, um, what's interesting is servants of the Most High God would have been understood to have been Zeus, okay? That, in that culture. <laughs> yeah, in that culture. That's what yeah, it would be, right. yeah. So Paul was teaching that there is one God, not that he and his friends served the highest God yeah. among many, meaning like they didn't believe in Greek mythology. Yep. They believed in the one God. And so that, so when she said, who are 
are, sorry, who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation, the definite article, the, is not the text. So it should be stated, who are declaring to you a way of salvation? A way, yeah. A way, yeah. exactly. That's different than the way. It is, of course. Yeah. Yeah, and so both of these claims about the men are false. In addition to the false statements, it is never good to have a demon-possessed person helping you with public relations. <laughs> not typically, yeah. No, I don't usually want to affiliate of with course, that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Like, could you imagine if you were down, like, doing ministry, like, at, at ASU or something, and then uh, yeah. a, a palm reader or a witch came out and was like, listen to this guy. He knows what's up. I was looking yeah. at my crystal ball. And they said, you'd be like, hey, I, uh, please stop. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, th That is a great example, actually. Yeah. For those of you, like, maybe just help understanding, that is exactly what is going on. Yep. So it's it just, it's very interesting. You see this, um, in addition to the false statements though, it's never good to have that person obviously helping you. Yeah. But on top of that, by this demon trying to affiliate itself with Paul and Silas, their message would be damaged. Yeah. That's what's happening here. So their reputation, their message is being altered in this process. So that's really annoying. It is. You can see I, why yeah, Paul would be upset. didn't it's a, like it. It's yeah. a matter of reputation of the gospel and who is endorsing it. That's what's yep. happening. Uh, so, um, Paul being greatly disturbed by this, as it described in the passage, he exercises the demon in Jesus's name, right? Mm -hmm. So what we see is the Python spirit, the serpent being crushed by Jesus, which is kind of cool. It is cool. Yeah. Cause it's literally known as the Python and it's being crushed. It's like crushed by the word of Jesus. Here, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And so <laughs> this is great news. It's a powerful example of the validity of the ministry of Paul and Silas and Everyone will believe once they see irrefutable, irrefutable evidence to the power of Jesus, right? Well, you'd expect you would that. Like when I, if I saw something miraculous like that, if, I think if some of my atheist friends saw something miraculous like that, they would be like, "Whoa, sure, what's going on here?" So yeah, you would expect. I mean, it's interesting. He goes to Lydia and her friends and just tells them the gospel. They're in, and now they do this bona fide miracle, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what happens? Everybody should believe, but that is... That's what you think. That is not what happened. No. So instead of this resulting in people accepting the word of God, it results in hostility. Yeah, let's, right? hear, let's hear about that. Okay, yeah. so Paul and Silas get eventually, as we'll read the story, they get thrown in prison for healing a demon-possessed girl. Think about that. Think about how yeah. unjust, you know, and in our culture, sometimes people feel like stuff is so unjust, right? This is horrible. Like, I did something really kind for this girl who was possessed by a demon. And what what was the thanks I got? Thrown in jail. Yeah. And that's the thing. There was no, like, like direct law that was really broken. It was just, like, a mob thing here. They're just yeah, well, taking it to a point of, like, pressure. And, like, we're going to throw you in prison because you're taking away our profits. Well, and that's what happened was this, the owners of this girl yeah. got agitated by the truth. They got mm -hmm. mad that Paul and Silas had ruined their business, right? Yeah, that's exactly but it. But think about how crazy this is. Instead of seeing a bona fide miracle happen... And then, and then going, whoa, these guys might have some truth. They might have some kind of divine power behind them. Instead of recognizing that, they get mad at their loss of money. Yep. So it's really interesting, the blinding power of greed, 
right? That's and, what, yeah. Yeah, they, so they get so mad about it because this girl was making them a lot of money. Uh, a couple of things. They don't care about the well-being of the girl because they thought it was fine for her to have this divination power of, of the python. Um, so they only cared about what she was doing for them. They didn't actually care about her. And now she is worthless to them because she doesn't have the magic power. Yeah. Right? So Lydia hears the gospel. Her heart's open to it. These slave owners see a bona fide miracle, but they won't submit to the implications of... Mm. Of that. You would think, like, I mean, and it's crazy, man. So many people today want to do miraculous things. I, I pray for the Lord for healing. I pray the Lord for this. I want, I want to be able to do magic for Jesus, you know? And it's like, listen, if you think that's what's going to convince people, we have so many examples where people were not convinced by it. Just because a miracle happens doesn't yeah. mean people will believe in it because people have a free will and they can decide to do what they want to do mm-hmm. in the face of evidence, in the face of evidence. So even seeing this clear evidence of God, they reject it and get mad about it. And that's a good lesson for us. Like some people will choose to reject God even in the face Mm -hmm. of good evidence. And so this is just an apologetics tip for you. But if you're talking with someone about Jesus, you're talking to somebody about God's existence, sometimes it's a good question just to ask them, listen, if this Jesus thing is true, And if you were convinced that it's true, would you choose to believe and follow it? Yeah. And sometimes people say, yeah, if I'm convinced it's true, I want to follow what's real. And that's awesome. And then you continue Mm -hmm. conversation. But sometimes you'll encounter people who will say, no, even if it was true, I don't want to submit to it. I want to do my own thing. Yeah. And at that point, I don't know what you're arguing for. Mm-hmm. Because even if you convince them of it, they're not going to submit and believe it. So for some people, evidence, seeing the power of Jesus exercise a demon, is not enough for them yeah. because they have their will bent against God. Yeah, it's it's a it's a heart problem in, in its own essence. It's, it's not an evidence yeah. problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's Tyler, that's so important because sometimes we think if we just show them all the evidence, of course they'll believe. And some people will. Yeah. But uh, evidence isn't the only thing, or logic isn't the only thing keeping people from Jesus. It's a heart Mm. problem. It's a sin problem a lot of the time. And we just need to keep that in mind. Okay, so then what happens? So there's agitation on the part of the people who see a miracle. There's disruption in this scenario. And then vengeance gets expressed. Instead of gratitude, Lydia says, hey, come stay at my mansion. These people say, we're going to cause you problems. So they go to the the (laughs) authorities, right? Yeah, right. And they say, instead of putting you in a mansion, we want to put you in a prison. Yeah, that's very. It's a really interesting uh, juxtaposition, right? Well, this is the same trip, too. You got to think about that. This is the same exact week, man journey yeah it's all yeah yeah same place Uh uh-huh and so it's quite a turn honestly it's it's bizarre and and if you think about how god is establishing the church in philippi Mm -hmm. rich fashionista ideal situation slave-owned demon-possessed girl horrible situation yeah now instead of uh again being staying in a posh mansion with lydia they are getting thrown into prison and that's exactly uh what happens they get thrown into prison Mm -hmm. which leads us to our third situation that they encountered. Uh, I want to read about that. Acts 16, 23 through 34. This is what we call uh, the unintentional situation, right? So Mm -hmm. we have the ideal, the antagonistic. Now we have the unintentional situation. Acts 16, 23 through 34. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. 
But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. Mm -hmm. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. He then brought them into the house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. Okay, yeah. so this is an interesting scenario. Of course it Acts is. Acts number three of the Philippian church being established, yeah, right? Yeah, of course it is. And now, now, a lot of you may have heard this story before, but th this is an interesting situation of ministry, and we want to yeah. break this down. Um, first off, like we keep talking about like the things, uh, the key elements of each of these ministry situations. And yep. uh, the first thing that I want to know is the location was undesirable, right? It's prison. Yeah. Of course yeah. it's undesirable. Yeah. Yep. You don't want to be there. That's a big difference from being in a rich lady's mansion, right? Yeah. Like, that's the thing. So the other thing is, too, is like, it's, yeah. not, a, it's, not, it's not necessarily ideal for ministry. Like, if, if you think, yeah. I've traveled yeah. across the ocean to come to Philippi to mm -hmm. tell people about Jesus. Now I'm locked up in a prison. I can't tell people you about Jesus. Yeah. You have no one to talk to. That's it's not thing. desirable. Yes, yep. exactly. It's not productive. That's the thing. No. So, um, so yeah, it was undesirable. And then the audience, okay? The audience was apathetic. And that's interesting, okay? Mm. Uh, Philippi was occupied by many ex-Roman military. And it was a, kind of a retirement community area mm -hmm. like, for a lot of the Romans. Uh, and a lot of the jailers there were retired army veterans. Like, Which makes they, sense, right? It yeah. goes kind of together. You were in the army, jailer. It's of kind course, of a similar... Yeah. yeah. It's a way to, um, to kind of have a retirement plan. If you can't keep up in the army and you want sure. to settle down, you go and you work as a jailer. Uh, these men were good at following orders and they were also good at military procedure. Yep. That's something to take into account. Uh, so, so now moving on to the result, the result was brought about through crisis as yep. we see in the story, right? Uh, earthquakes were common in that area, in that region, mm -hmm. but it is in the manner and the timing of the earthquake that is miraculous about this, okay? Yeah. And it's not a coincidence that an earthquake happened in this scenario. No, I was reading about this uh, a while ago, and yeah. there's like some, like a few earthquakes that like devastated that area and they had to rebuild the whole city. So it's yeah. not uncommon. It's like San of Francisco, course, right? Course. But it's the scenario yeah, of when the it timing. occurred. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And so uh, it's just crazy. So earthquakes were common, but the timing is what was miraculous in there. Uh, so as the earthquake trembled, the chains were broken off the walls, the stocks Paul and Silas were in came open, and the prison doors opened as well. So if you're in that situation, though, and you're in prison, right, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden an earthquake breaks, in their scenario, wouldn't you want to run? 
Oh, dude, I would think, well, I mean, I think yeah. any criminal would think this is our chance to get of out of course. here. I've seen prison yeah. movies. That's what they always do, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, you would want to say, great. Well, and not only that, like in their situation, they know they believe in miracles and they believe mm-hmm. in the, the providence of God. And, his and they were praying and singing songs to God. Of course. So, so, so it's like he's letting us if, out. If I'm in that scenario, I, I know my thought would be. The Lord did this. Yeah. He did this. Oh, yeah. He, and I would take it as a sign. He wants me to run. Yep. He wants me to run away. He wants me, he wants us to get out of here. Yeah. That's what I would take that as. Because like we said before, the situation was not ideal. So what's interesting though, is that Paul and Silas do not make an attempt to escape. Hmm. And you ask yourself, why did they do that? Why didn't they get out? Because then they could reach more people, right? Yeah. All these things. But they stayed. And I think that it was because they were focused on leveraging any situation in order to share the gospel. I think you're right. And I think that's something to like digest a little. Yeah. How are we looking for and recognizing every situation as a chance to leverage it for sharing truth, for discipling people? Do we even have like our antenna up for that? Yeah. Or are we just kind of going about our life? Because like, you know what? I would not have blamed them looking back on history and it says uh, Paul and Silas, they fled the prison and they went and they, they did ministry elsewhere. Yeah. I would like that. That's still a miracle, right? Yeah. And really like other than breaking out of prison, like, like, and breaking the law there, they didn't mm-hmm. do anything wrong. No. So, so yeah, in that sense. So it's like, so you think like, yeah, this is good, but they chose to be on the lookout for this opportunity. And because of this miracle that occurred with the earthquake, the jailer mm-hmm. and his whole household believed in Jesus. They saved his yep. life physically because he was about to kill himself. Yes. And they saved his life spiritually and they sh- shared with him the gospel and gave him the hope of salvation. Yep, and, and the, his family. And their goal in going there was to establish the church. Yes. Well, the church needs believers, mm-hmm. and so this wasn't was a a brick in building the church, right? Well, this is an aspect of that. Yeah, of course. And, and so that's the thing. This miracle did not occur to free Paul and Silas from their prison chains. It occurred to free the jailer from his spiritual chains. That's right. That's exactly what happened there, and it's nothing short of a miracle yeah. in every sense. So. That is something else that I want to mention is that the jailer was brought to a place of desperation in order to accept the gospel. Which again, very opposite Lydia. Yeah. She's praying. She's seeking God. She hears the truth. She's like, I'm in, right? Yeah. The jailer wasn't seeking well, it at the all. The jailer was like at the end of his life because he's like, well, he's older. Really? Yeah. He, he was because he's like, well, look, either I, like if these prisoners escape, I'm going to be punished for this. Well, and that's which, the desperation. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. they, or, so he's like, I need to kill myself or get out somehow. But no, so he's desperate. Yep. Uh, and so that was the thing. So he was liable to the same penalty as the prisoner would have suffered, uh, right? And that's that was the, the law back then. Roman law, Code Ro- of Justinian, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a crazy, that's a really smart law, actually. It's like yeah. if you let somebody go or you let their fine go, you're going to owe what they owed. Well, back then, especially, like, uh, they, it was a lot more difficult to track people down if they escaped. So, yep. Yep. so yeah, they needed their security to be tight. So yep. that was the thing. And so um, this jailer, like we said, was about to commit suicide to avoid all of that, uh, to uh, avoid the shame of a public execution uh, So uh, because he thought they escaped. So Paul intercedes, saves his life. And then he asks how to be saved. And then Paul and Silas both preach the gospel and say, believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. So you see that 
through this situation, God often uses crisis to shake people out of their apathy. Yes. And it was beautiful. And the testimony that he came out of that and the way that the ministry developed there through mm -hmm. that situation, it's just amazing. It's such a cool story about God's sovereignty in even the worst of situations. It is. Yeah, yes. it really is. And so... Another thing I want to touch on is with this whole scenario is that gratitude was expressed after this, right? Mm -hmm. Gratitude was expressed. Uh, the jailer takes Paul and Silas and he washes their wounds, the wounds he and his friends inflicted, right? And yeah. imprisoning them because you get, whenever you get in prison with shackles and everything, you get cut up, you get bruised, you well, get... Well, and it says that they were beaten well, before that too, they got thrown yeah, in prison. Of yeah, course, so all there's of it. all of that that the law enforcement inflicted on them. Yeah, yeah, so then he heals them, helps give them like, like medical treatment treatment essentially yep. and then he takes them into his own home and feeds them yeah look at that it's crazy and that is such a turnaround from from them escaping right and so <laughs> yeah you see like because they were faithful in every scenario that god placed them in and they kept that that antenna on as you said yep. on the lookout they they were open-minded about seeing ministry opportunities no matter the situation and they were blessed for it yeah it's really interesting man i think about like uh the crisis situation mm. and um there was a time in my life where i really saw somebody take advantage of a crisis situation and leverage it for the gospel and yeah. it was now it's it's almost 20 years ago now but mm -hmm. september 11th 2001 right yeah the, yeah the islamic terrorists jihadists you know fly the planes into the twin towers in new york city so anyways everyone's got their own september 11th story yeah uh, i was on a cruise in the caribbean during this time um, so I was on Grand Cayman on September 11th, 2001, uh, and we were in line to get on a boat to go swim with, uh, stingrays out at this, uh, this, um, sandbar. Yeah. And, uh, we heard, I remember hearing on like j broken Jamaican radio, oh, the Pentagon was attacked and everyone just was like, whatever, that's stupid. That can't yeah. happen. So we all went about our day, but then when we got back to the ship, they had every, you know, TV in your room everywhere turned to CNN showing what was happening. And it was just like crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I was we, a lot of prayer, a lot of people were praying and it was really interesting because we actually had this group, I think it was like 30 or 40 ladies who were on our ship and they all actually worked in one of the buildings of the twin towers, but they all decided to go on vacation together that week. Yeah. So like we have people who should have been there and died, but they were on the ship with us. So crisis, right? That's crazy. Yeah. Crisis. It was, it was, it was really crazy. Um, I was, I was 17, um, but I remember this was so cool. Um, later that night, the captain comes over the intercom and you know how there's like a, there's like a speaker in every room. Mm, and so okay. like, yeah. so he, he, he made this announcement over the whole ship in everybody's room everywhere. And he said, Hey, tonight at like six o'clock, um, one of our passengers is a pastor and he came forward and asked if he could hold a church service in the main, you know, theater. Sure. And uh, I wanted to make you aware that that is going to happen. And as the captain, I want that to happen. So I'd like for passengers to go to that if they can. But every crew member who's not working, it's mandatory that you go. Mm. So yeah. my mom and I were like, we got to go to this. Yeah. So we course. went into the main theater that night. And there was probably like, I don't know, four or 500 people in there. 
And this dude, you know, in a Hawaiian shirt and shorts stands up and he says, hey, you know, I'm on vacation like most of you. And I'm a pastor at this Lutheran church back home. Yeah. And um, we were just on a trip and and our worship leader is actually here with us. So he's going to come up and sing a few songs. And he did. He went, he had a guitar. He came up, he sang some, you know, simple worship songs. And then this pastor got up there and he shared the gospel. That's great. And he's yeah. like, listen, crisis is going to keep happening in our life. And all of us are going to die one day. And have you thought, and ca- I mean, he presents the gospel of Jesus to this ship. Now think about this. There's all these people from around the country there as passengers. Yeah. But there's all these people from around the world there as workers. Mm, yeah. And they had to go to this thing. So there's there's people from Sweden and from the Philippines and from China. And they're all crying about this tragedy. Yeah. And he leveraged this crisis while on vacation for the gospel. Yeah. An unintentional situation that he had the antenna, the spiritual antenna up to say, hey, I want to share Jesus with people now. It was amazing. Like, I think about that all the time. He had to have that antenna up because maybe... People in his situation would have just been like, "Wow, wow this is terrible." But I'm I'm on vacation, and well, I'm I, I, he may yeah. have had family friends with him there, and he just wanted to get through it, get home and yep. pray, and just he could have kept his head down, but he chose to speak up and yep. to use this opportunity. Well, I think about yeah. that myself. I was like, "Man, I didn't think of doing," and I wasn't a pastor or anything, but who cares? Like, I didn't think of that. Right. Like he had this idea, like, I want to share Jesus with these people where I was just like, oh man, we'll pray and we'll try yeah. to get through it. He was on a totally different level than I was. He was on the Paul and Silas level, right? Sure, sure. And so, um, Acts 16 is just a really cool passage of seeing how you can go about evangelizing and making disciples in three really different situations, right? And I think a lot of times as Christians, we act like we're divas when it comes to making disciples and evangelizing. Yeah. We we want the perfect scenario, right? Such as, well, I would go evangelize more if my church had more outreach events. Like like evangelism is some program your church has to put on or you're not going to do it. That's not yeah. true. You can't <laughs> you you can go do it as part of a program of your church. But you can also just do it in your life. Like you don't have to wait for your church to do it, yeah. right? But so many of us wait for these perfect situations, these perfect scenarios to share the gospel, and we miss opportunities all along yeah. the way. Yeah, is there going to be some rich lady that offers me to come into her mansion oh, and eat food and, and then be great? <laughs> bring but me to the beach to share. Probably not going to happen <laughs> yeah. all the time, right? right? Jesus commanded us: go make disciples, teaching them all I have commanded you. Well, I would, Tyler, but I just don't know if I'm prepared enough to share. Get prepared, right? <laughs> like, go make the. Yeah. He doesn't say, wait until you feel ready. Go do it. Well, I would, but you know, Tyler, I don't really want to offend anybody to turn them off from the gospel. Go make disciples. That's yeah. what Jesus said, right? Well, I would, you know, if everything lined up and all the planets were in a row. And, you know, I mean, this is the kind of stuff people make up these situations. Yeah. It's like, listen, you know more than somebody. Go disciple somebody. You know what the gospel is because I think you believed in it if you're a Christian. So go tell it to somebody. This is what we're yeah. called to do. And the big point of this podcast today is that the situations we encounter or might encounter mm. should have no bearing on whether we will obey what Jesus said. Yeah. That's huge. We've got to obey what Jesus said. I love this passage, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have mm-hmm. from God, and that you are not your own? For you've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Mm. We're supposed to use our life in order to do what God has said. Yeah. We should. 
We, we absolutely should. And it's something that we need to do is to be intentional in our walk and doing this, right? We need mm-hmm. to be aggressive, assertive with our faith. We can't just sit back, like you said, and keep sharpening our metaphorical swords without using them. There's no point. Yeah. There's no point. And so that is the thing. You need to go out and to do this. Yeah, we should be disturbed and hurt by the things that disturb and hurt Jesus. Absolutely. And that is the people who are lost and who need him, who need apologetics, who just need the gospel, need spiritual guidance, who, who need prayer, who need someone to just love them, right? Right? Yep. And, and that is what we are called to do. Uh, it, it may be even it may even be people who are annoying you. Yeah, you might be fed up with <laughs> like the with demon someone. girl. Yeah, yeah, like the demon girl, right? Uh, yeah. Like it, it's like I said, it's not always going to be uh, um, the Lydia's out there, right? Like people who are um, waiting to receive the gospel and then reward even with like, yeah, giving that's all the this. best. But. Yeah, it is, but that's not what it is. Uh, like that is not the common result of people who are out there who need yeah. Jesus. No, and so, very true. And so we need to be seizing these opportunities uh, to be a light in the most inopportune places, like like Paul and Silas mm-hmm. in prison, right? Yep. Uh, like, like we need to be keeping our antennas on at all times to be alert to these situations that are around us for sharing the gospel or like the, the pastor on that cruise ship during nine 11, we need to be aware of these opportunities, seek these opportunities. Yep. And that's what we're commanded to do too. It's not even just a suggestion. It's a commandment and we, yeah. and we need to be living this out. And I, I, I mean, we just need to look for these opportunities and seek how the working God in your life may not be for you, but it might be for those around you. Yeah, and that's just called not being selfish, right? Exactly. Sometimes God's putting you in a tough situation or allowing mm-hmm. you to go through something hard so that you can reach other people, mm-hmm. so that your testimony and your trust and your faith in the Lord can be something that impacts somebody else Yeah, to bring them to Christ or to encourage them in discipleship. That's for sure. And I think it's cool when you, because again, Paul and Silas had no idea what would be the fruit of this trip. They just went and obeyed and they were in all these different situations and they looked to fulfill the Great Commission while they were in these situations. Mm. But it's cool to see what God did do in Philippi. So think about this. The church at Philippi starts off with, with a rich fashionista businesswoman who had a ton of money and her servants... Mm-hmm. Right? Because they became believers. It started off with an ex-military jailer and his family and possibly a demon-possessed girl. Yeah. That's- this is crazy. So the rich, Lydia, the poor, Lydia's servants, demon-possessed girl, mm-hmm. blue-collar, middle-class military guy, the jailer, right? Mm-hmm. All of these people from all different walks of life and all different backgrounds could be impacted by the gospel of Jesus. And the church... Um, began in Philippi with these people. This exorcism of this slave girl happened in the public square where people could talk about what is this new thing that has come upon us, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody was seeing that the serpent was crushed. And this is the seeds of the church in Philippi beginning. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I think it's awesome. Uh, And I, I think that one of the things that's really cool too about it is the church at Philippi is like one of the not jacked up churches. Corinthians is nuts, mm. right? I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah. the worst. There's correction to a lot of the other churches. The church at Philippi is like one of the legit ones that really um, financially supports Paul. Sure. Uh, so, so you think about the crazy hodgepodge group of people that started it. 
and just how God brought it to be this thriving, healthy church. And so the point with all of that is, who do you know in your life that you want to be part of the church now and in the near future? Mm. Who, who is that person? And are you being intentional? Are you being disruptable? Are you going into these scenarios with your antenna up, seeking how you can share Christ with them, or maybe disciple them so that yeah. they grow in their knowledge of the Lord? And, and that's the thing that you got to be aware of, is that not everyone uh, is in a situation where they can be receiving the gospel mm-hmm. uh, e- easily, right? And sometimes you have to get your hands dirty by like really going through a lot of trouble and uh, going through a lot of conflict uh, and sometimes persecution yeah. to get someone to the point of, of receiving the gospel. And yep. they need that. And everyone needs to hear it. And sometimes it takes that kind of work. Yep. And intentionality. and Intentionality, and being, yeah. Being disciple makers no matter the situation. Of course, of course. And so because Paul and Silas were faithful in all situations, we have the book of Philippians, right? That it, is interesting to think we about. We would not yeah. have that. And the thing is, is like, like you said, it was just, it, it's just took all of that, um, that experience in order to, to, to come about this good fruit, all of that bad stuff that they had to go through. Yeah. Right? And think that, about all that we'd be missing because the book of Philippians is really good. Well, it is, yeah. And the whole, <laughs> the whole point a lot, yeah. of the book is to have joy through suffering, right? Yep. And Paul is writing this, like, they're writing that from prison when they're jailed. Yep. And so to have joy in suffering, right, that is something that we would have missed out on from what happened in this scenario if they were not faithful. Yep. So, uh, uh, like in Philippians 1.6, for I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Right. I like that book. I like that verse. Yeah, I do too. I'm or, glad it's in the Bible. Exactly. <laughs> or, uh, Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that, that is such a crucial passage a lot of times that's people's favorite verses a lot of times at funerals people will say that Mm -hmm. yeah that gives us hope exactly of course it does and then uh the hypostatic union of christ in philippians chapter two we wouldn't have that yeah he humbled himself and became in every way like us yeah to get that perspective that uh, mindset and uh or then philippians 3 14 i press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of god in christ jesus Mm -hmm. right or then this one especially too Philippians 4, 6 through 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so we'd miss out on all of that. We would miss out on all of these concepts and these principles that uh, were breathed through God, right, yeah. in scripture, but if it wasn't for the faithfulness that Paul and Silas in their ministries, oh, well, Paul had to write, write this yeah. letter, uh, and go through what they went through, we would not have this. Because there would be no church in Philippi there wouldn't to be. write a letter yeah, to. Yeah, yeah and, exactly. And so this is so crucial. And you see that there was a purpose in everything that they went through. Yep, absolutely. They made disciples. They didn't make excuses, mm-hmm. right? And that is our, our, our message for you guys today is, because again, we love talking about apologetics. Yeah. We love talking about knowing truth. And, that, and it, again, it's crucial for us because it builds our faith. But... We need to be about obeying what mm-hmm. Jesus said as well. And with the knowledge that you learn from our podcast and, and the wisdom to go out and execute it with different ways and strategies of talking people, we hope that you won't miss the simple 
a command to obey what God says yeah. <laughs> and to go make disciples. We are so good as people at making excuses, but we need to make disciples, not excuses. Mm. Hey, thanks so much for being with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee. We hope this has been encouraging to you. It's challenged you. It's pushed you a little bit and that your life will uh, reflect Jesus a little bit more and maybe all of us will obey Jesus more yes. than we were last week because of these truths of Scripture. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode, but we are just grateful uh, for you listening. We're so thankful for the encouragement we get online through social media and reviews and it's just been awesome uh, lately, especially seeing how many people are being impacted by this thing that we do where we record yeah. for an hour uh, and we get to talk about truth. So thanks so much for listening. Yeah, thank you so much. We're appreciative of that. And we will be back next week with another episode of Christ Culture and Coffee. If you enjoyed the show and felt that this podcast was beneficial to you, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you become a Level 4 supporter on our Patreon page, you can get yourself one of our stoneware, Christ culture, and coffee mugs, as well as a t-shirt and a sticker. We are available on all podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube, and we are also available on all social media platforms. Thanks so much for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee.